Um, well, guys, we're, uh, we're mixing it up a little bit tonight. Uh, we do this from time to time, those of you that are with us a lot. Um, and so tonight is kind of a laid-back night. We're going to talk about a f- couple different things. We're going to sing some songs together um, in hopes that we can learn more about God, that we can learn more about ourselves, in hopes that we can worship Him, um, and that we can leave here different. So before we do that, let me pray for us. Loving God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you take care of us. God, we, uh, we're here to lift you up. We're here to learn. We're here to grow. God, we pray that your spirit would move in us in this place. There's some of us in this room that, that know you well. There's some of us in this room that may not know you at all. God, I pray that wherever we're at on our journey, God, that you would move us. You would move us down the field towards you, towards understanding more of how you mean for us to live. So God, we pray that you'll teach us at least one good thing tonight. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, so we're in, uh, we're in this series. We're almost done with this series, Back to Basics. Um, and tonight um, on the schedule was, was eternity. Um, but we felt like it would be cool um, also because it's Father's Day to talk a little bit about fathers. Um, our role as fathers, as, as men, just a little bit. Um, I have about a year and a half's experience in that. Um, and then God as our Father. Um, and I just wanted to center us around um, this one verse. It's Psalm 145, 8, and it says this. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he made. I just wanted to break that down a little bit as we study, and then we'll kind of move on to, uh, to some singing. Um, as that verse starts out, the word gracious is something that I hope that we can grab a hold of. Um, who can tell me what grace is? This is a free-for-all, just kind of shout it out. Forgiveness, okay? Love. All right, anything else? Forgiveness and love. I like it. What's that? Acceptance. We did that thing we do sometimes (laughs) where we talk at the same time. So the Lord is gracious. He loves us. He forgives us. He accepts us. And then he's compassionate. Does anybody know what compassion means? Let's talk about compassion for a second. Compassion is one of my favorite words because the prefix C-O-M, com, means with. 
And the word passion, it has a lot of meanings, but it can mean to suffer with. It can also mean to get fired up about, which is cool. And I actually had it tattooed on my arm when I was in college because I loved all the things that go behind it. Um, But it says that the Lord is compassionate. That means he cares so much for us that when we hurt, when we go through things, that he is with us in that. It says he's slow to anger. Who likes that quality? Does anybody like quick to anger? No? Because we're all kind of going through this life. We're all doing this thing, and sometimes we mess up, right? Sometimes we mess up a lot. Sometimes it takes us a long time to get it. Um, I like to compare God's relationship to us with my relationship to Jet. And this, you know, as I was thinking on this, this kind of came to life today at lunch. Um, We went to Olive Garden, and uh, we ordered Jet little raviolis and little broccolis, and he's getting pumped about food. And then I watch Jet, and nobody expects kids to be awesome eaters, but at the age that Jet is right now, it's you just never know what you're going to get. You never know if he's going to be, you know, like not wanted, if he's going to dive all in, if he's going to sweep it off in the floor, and you have to order him more food. Um, but I watch him, and we tie his little bib on. I'm just looking there, and I'm just hoping that he does a good job at this meal. I know that seems kind of elementary, but that's a big deal in his life. You know, he has to eat to survive. So he grabs a big boy fork, and he's trying to stab, like, the broccoli, and he's working real hard. And, you know, for me, that's easy. I could just do it, you know. I could just stab and put it in his mouth, but I want him to learn. I want him to grow. I want him to be able to do this thing on his own, and so I'm watching him. And I'm watching, and we call it the concentration hand. You know, you got this one hand going, and the other hand just flies up weirdly. So he's got one hand out as he's doing it, and I'm watching him. I'm watching him, like, slowly kind of lead this fork to his mouth, and he's got this huge, you know, thing going on, and he puts the broccoli in his mouth. And you guys might think, okay, big deal, but for me, I was so proud of him. And there was times where he would, you know, he would try to do it, and he would fling the food off the plate, or he would drop it right before it got to him. But I found myself patiently hoping and and just urging him, you know. And as as he does things, as he learns to walk, for instance, as he learns to run, as he learns to do things, I don't get mad when he messes up. I don't get mad if he trips. I don't say, you know what, stay down there. You're no good. I say, get up, buddy. You can do this. And I think that's how God is, you know, in this verse. It says that he's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. And in that same way, as we walk, as we do the things that we do, when we fall sometimes flat on our face, I think our loving, gracious, compassionate God says, get up, buddy, you can do it. And he loves us. And that changes everything when we think about a God that's that type of God, not, not the I'm ready to strike you down at any moment. And God certainly has that side, that discipline side, because part of love is discipline, right? Part of love is discipline. In the same way that sometimes I have to let Jet, you know, hurt himself sometimes, even if, if it's something that will teach him, but I'll never let him run out in the street to teach him a lesson. You get what I'm saying? 
because I'm there for him, because I want that for him. And that's how God feels towards us. He wants us to grow. He wants us to learn. And he wants us to look at him with that same longing, that same adoration. I think that makes him smile. So we're going to sing a couple songs together. And this first song that we're going to sing, um, it's a song called Good, Good Father. And for some of us, we struggle to know our role. We struggle to know our place. And the Bible says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. It says our great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, trying to destroy, trying to devour. The Bible calls him the father of lies. And sometimes we wake up and we feel those lies. We feel that we're nobody. We feel that we're nothing. We feel like we're just the worst And sometimes circumstances can factor into that. But you know what? For us, we have to know our identity. We have to know our good, good father. And so this is one of those songs that we hope gets stuck in your head. We hope that of all the things that we do tonight, one of the things that you do is that you take this out when you leave. So I'm going to teach us the chorus. You guys sing this with us. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Will you guys sing that with us? You're good. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. Awesome. We guys stay and we're going to sing a couple songs together. Well, I've heard a thousand stories of what.
So, uh, like Chris said, um, this is our last real message in this series, Back to Basics, because next week we're going to be doing a message called Ask It. And so we're going to have a panel of people up here on stage, and uh, you're going to be able to come in and ask any questions that you might have that we've missed, that we haven't necessarily talked about in this series. Um, some really, really good people, wise people that you're going to be able to ask. And uh, when we were talking about this, kicking it around, I felt like it was kind of unfair because he gets to talk about being a dad, and I have to talk about heaven and hell. Um, but um, tonight's going to be just kind of short um, and kind of a devotional in a way. It's difficult to figure out what is the most important things when talking about heaven and hell. And so I want to talk about what I think is the most important thing. If you can grasp one truth about heaven and hell is this. Um, and I want to read from Scripture in Revelation, a passage, to help us get a picture of what heaven and hell looks like. Um, so if you can just throw up that verse from Revelation. It says this, Revelation 21, it says, I saw heaven and earth new created, gone the first heaven, gone the first earth, gone the sea. I saw holy Jerusalem new created, descending, resplendent out of heaven, as ready for God as a bride for her husband. <clears throat> I heard a voice thunder from the thrones, look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood. I love that. God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. They are his people. He is their God. And I love this part. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death is gone. For good here is gone. Crying, gone. Pain, gone. All of the first order of things, gone. The enthroned continue. Look, I'm making everything new. Write it all down. Each word dependable and accurate. And then he said, it's happened. I am A to Z. I'm the beginning. I'm the conclusion. From water of life wells, I give freely to the thirsty. Conquerors inherit all of this. I'll be God to them, and they'll be sons and daughters to me. But for the rest, I'm sorry, I'm blind. The feckless and the faithless, degenerates and murderers, Sex peddlers and sorcerers, idolaters and all liars. For them, it's lake fire and brimstone. Second death. So I want to stop there. Um, that passage is it's pretty awesome and pretty harsh. We see a very stark contrast. Um, we see a reality that heaven is this place where no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more brokenness. But then we see that other side of things, what happens for those who are liars, idolaters, the sex peddlers, the lusters, the alcoholics. I think everybody can fall into that category at times to a degree. And so it, it can get you worried when we're looking at, okay, well, what saves me from hell? What gets me to that other place, that first part? You know, that part that's free from pain and, and, and brokenness. 
Because if you really sit down and think about your life, there's no sinners in us. There's just us. We're no better than sinners. The only difference is if you're a Christian in the room today, you understand this one truth, and that is Scripture is very clear that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. There's a truth that Christ came to earth to pay a price that we couldn't pay. See, when there was the fall in the garden, sin entered into the kingdom. It was broken. And ever since then, we've been living in brokenness. We've been born into sin. There's a piece of us that rebels against our hearts, of our desires to be good and righteous and please God, even as Christians. You know, we've talked about that in the series. Why do I sin? Why do I fall into this? It's because it's inherent. It's inherent for us to stumble and to fall. And so it's seen a lot of times, even on this earth, when we fall into sin, this idea of separation, this idea of pain and emptiness, this idea of hell is seen constantly. And the idea of heaven is that we have a freedom from all of that. You know, every day as Christians, we have to wake up and we talked about how there's a struggle. The struggle is real and it's a fight every single day. And some of you guys have talked to me, you know, through this message and through this series and said, Blake, man, I'm fighting every day and I feel like I'm never, ever, ever going to win. Well, this idea of eternity is that if you're a Christian, if you've given your heart to God and said, listen, I need you in my life, there will be victory for you someday. Ultimate victory, final victory. Because like that passage said, God defeated the grave. God conquered death and brokenness and pain. And all you have to do is accept him in your heart to embrace that and the reality of heaven. I was having a conversation with one of my friends who's an atheist a while back. And I thought that talking on this topic, it might be beneficial to kind of talk about what we talked about. Just kind of hear the argument, because the reality is we have to be equipped when we're out in the world, when people ask us about heaven and hell. And the idea of hell can seem so harsh. You know, what this guy was arguing to me was he was saying, if you serve a loving God, if you serve a God who calls you your ch- his child, then how could he be so harsh, so cruel, that just because you don't believe in him, he's going to send you to hell? just doesn't seem just. It doesn't seem right. And the, real, the reality is, is hell isn't, is not that arbitrary. And I asked him a question. I said, okay, you ask me your question. Let me ask you one. I said, and this gentleman was married. I said, if your wife cheated on you, would you feel it wrong to leave her? And he said, no. And I said, what if you cheated on your wife, but she never found out about it? Do you still feel like there would be separation and awkwardness in the relationship? He said, yeah, probably. And I said, the reality and the result of hell is just the natural consequences of disobeying God, cheating against him with the world. See, in a relationship, you have that awkwardness when there's an affair. There's a separation. And hell isn't just this lake of fire, isn't just this scary place, but it's literally ultimate separation from a holy and good God. You know, it's kind of like this. Um, we have to understand perspective of time here on earth. Think about the first time you ever went on a date with the person that you're married to or the person that you're in love with or if you've ever experienced love. Think back to that first date. You guys probably sat and talked for hours. And then you looked up and you realized what time it was and you said, man, it felt like five minutes. Time flew by for you. But then contrast that with a moment in your life where you were sitting in a lecture hall. Maybe you were sitting in a sanctuary. (laughs) Not at Thrive. You were absolutely bored out of your mind, and every minute seemed like an hour. It seemed like you were there for days. 
You see, then something happens after the fact. You're at home after that date, that date that flew by because you were enjoying it, and suddenly those moments start to solidify for you. And you can think on them, and they're pleasing, and you want to hold on to them. But then that other thing, that lecture, that thing that we contrasted it with, that thing that was boring, you want to forget about it. (laughs) You couldn't hold on to it if you wanted to. It's wispy. It's not really tangible. And sometimes I think that's the reality of heaven and hell for us. Heaven is this thing that is so filling and so good that it solidifies eternity for us. But in hell, this thing that's drug out and painful and long, completely separated from anything, there's nothing to grab onto or hold onto. It's so wispy. You're in this constant state of feeling lost and in the dark. I think that's the harsh reality of heaven and hell. But how beautiful does heaven sound? You know, I don't know about you, but this week has been a rough week for a lot of people I know. And um, it's really nice to know that someday, someday there's going to be freedom from this pain, freedom from the memories, freedom from the hard things that we've had to experience in this life, freedom from all of that. No more bad weeks. No more, bad weeks. No more Mondays. Praise God. Amen. But isn't that something to get excited about tonight and want to tell people about? Because we have a reality as Christians that we know what heaven is and we know what hell is. And how much do you have to hate a person to know what hell is and not talk to them about Jesus? And yet there are so many people in our life, in our day-to-day, when we have eternity on the line that we are too nervous to open our mouths. We're too nervous to speak up about our faith and the things that we believe maybe even inviting them to church. Would you do that? Would you be intentional about realizing the reality of heaven and hell and eternity? This morning we were talking about time in the first service and second service. We waste our time on so many things that are so menial that die when we die. Think about that. Would you start sowing into things that are eternal? investing in relationships that could change someone's eternal soul because we're going to spend eternity somewhere would you guys pray with me God as we sing this next song um, Lord would you just allow us to position our heart on you I know for me it's so easy to get caught up in moments thinking that this huge cloud of just junk is just going to consume us. Struggling to see down the road that light at the end of the tunnel. Struggling to see your promise of heaven and freedom from all this pain and brokenness. And so tonight, God, would you let your light shine in this place? Would you remind us that we have freedom and we have victory at the end of days? We can claim those victory every single day because you don't just promise us an abundant life in eternity. You promise us an abundant life here. And so I'm going to claim that today. God, we know that hell is a reality. And so would you allow us to proclaim your truth and your love and your message in such a way that we can reach out to people who are lost who are wandering, 
so that they might not be separated from you for an eternity, never really knowing what it's like to have a father. God, everyone deserves to be loved by a holy father who is good. So may we be people who are conquerors for your kingdom. May we be people who love recklessly. May we show the kind of love that you give to us that says, you know what? You're jacked up. You have so many flaws. By all standards of the world, you are nothing, but to me, you are everything. You're worthy of my life. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for allowing us to come into a place and just be transparent and and get down to the core of what we're dealing with in the right now, not out of some book or some sermon series, but what we're actually walking through right now as a church family, as people, as your children, God. And tonight, can we just drown in your grace? Walk out of this place feeling cleansed and refreshed and revitalized and renewed because you promise you'll give rest to the restless. You'll give strength to the weary. God, tonight we are trusting in you. We are clinging to you. We are so thankful that someday we have victory and someday we get to stand with the Father in heaven around the throne. Man, I can't wait for that day. Thank you, God, for all that you are and all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, I think uh, I think a lot of times it's easy for us to lose our focus. A lot of times it's easy for us to uh, to forget which direction we're headed. And uh, I heard a guy, a preacher named Andy Stanley, say that direction, not intention, but direction, the direction that you're actually moving determines destination. And so for us, lots of times it's easy to get caught up and think about um, you know, the just the nuts and bolts of life, the things that we have to do, the wake up, the go to work, the, you know, all that stuff, the pay the bills, go to bed, do it all over again. But when we see things with an eternal perspective, it changes everything. When you see where you're headed, you think about this, um, I'm not a natural runner, but last fall I started running um, kind of a dis- as a disciplined thing. And I'll tell you, the, the best part of a run is when you see the finish line, right? That's when you can kick it into high gear. That's when you know, man, I can just dig a little deeper. I can kick and just plow through because I know that I'm going to cross that finish line. And that's when the worth it moment happens. And so this song that we're going to sing right now is a song called, Do You Hold Me Now? And it's a song that paints the picture of that, that moment when we meet Jesus face to face and all of the bad weeks, all the Mondays, all the hurts, all the people going away, all the, the tragedy, all the heartache, all the shootings, all the junk goes away. There's no weeping, there's no sorrow. So I want to ask you guys to uh, stand up. We're going to sing this song together. I'm going to teach us the chorus. The chorus goes like this. No, we...
is Father's Day, and also we just talked about heaven and hell, and if you're a Christian in the room tonight, we have something to celebrate, and so during this next song, um, you know, we do invitation every week, but I want to challenge you to be really intentional tonight. Um, If you're a father in the room, a really awesome way of leading your family is leading them to take communion and praying for your family. And also, you know, one of the most intimate things that you can do with another person is pray with them, is experience God with them. And so tonight during this time of invitation, during this song, could you celebrate the reality that someday you get to go home? And maybe for you, that's you guys huddling up as a family and praying for your home, or maybe for people in your family that don't know Jesus that you're going to be intentional about to speak truth into their life in this week. Uh, Maybe for you, it's just you want to take your family and take communion and remember what Christ did on the cross. You know, so easy in life is it for us to forget the big things because we get so caught up in the daily grind, you know? It's like sometimes I think we forget that we had a perfect, holy God. And it wasn't just a God who was um, exempt from pain, who was exempt from suffering, who was exempt from being in this world. You know, Jesus was here. He was tangible. He was the flesh. He walked like we walked. He struggled like we struggled. You know, sometimes I think we feel sorry for ourselves because we think, man, I'm pursuing God and I'm such a good person, yet still bad things happen to me. (laughs) How'd you like to be Jesus Christ and be put on a cross? did it because he loves us. You know, you hear a lot of times, our sins hung him there, but his will hung him there. His will for his kids, for you and for me. So would you celebrate that tonight? And then after you do that, just sing these words. But don't just sing them. Don't let them just be words, but let them be a cry of your heart. Let tonight be a moment that you be completely filled with the power of God and who he is in your life. Just stand and sing. Lord, I come. 
Glory to God forever. 
Father God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you that you're the ultimate Father, that you're the perfect Father, that we can look to you in all parts of our life. We can look to you for our identity, for our validation. We can look to you for correction. We can look to you for grace and forgiveness. We can look at your son as a model for how we live. So God, may that be the way that we choose to live, the way that we try our hardest to live, to bring glory to you. God, as we leave here, just help us to make what we do something that pleases you. God, that you help us to live in light of eternity, that we can see that hope, that light at the end of the tunnel, and that that would motivate the choices that we make for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We want to thank you guys so much for coming. Uh, we have the after party out those doors. Stick around, hang out, have some pizza, all that kind of stuff, and we'll see you guys next week.